Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. I got a six-year-old in my calculus class in college. It's going to take my job. What is this nonsense? Comic Sans? My father has never seen this film. And I got hated it. She's like... You pussy, get back in the game! Rebels against maturity by taking a job at a movie theater. Oh no, I'm sorry, that's me. At a video store. Well, this is now owned by Disney, so you're going to see a remake <laughs> at some point. Hello there, I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because the more popular movies were released at the same time, or the movie simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie or perhaps don't love about it, but we will always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, we want to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Find us. Our podcast is available on all platforms with a backlog of 175 episodes for your listening pleasure. Oh, yeah. How you doing? Season 15 begins. It begins. What are we doing? We are doing the 1988 film Alien Nation. Interesting. Which... I can't wait for you to shit on. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. What is that, what's that about? In Los Angeles, circa 1991, humans live alongside extraterrestrial humanoid beings whose spaceship crash landed three years earlier. This coexistence is not always harmonious, as exemplified by segregated slums and the uneasing partnership of police detective Matthew Sykes with new humanoid partner Sam Francisco. However, the pair begin to overcome their differences as they investigate a slum drug ring led by the slippery William Harcourt. This is, what is it, Space Cops or some other terrible title? All it had titles? like three terrible titles. It did. It did. Daily Nation was definitely the best title. <laughs> the best of the best. The best of the worst. Yes. <laughs> what, what was that phrase again? Slum drug land? What was that? Slum drug ring. Slum drug ring. You can't say yes. that three times fast. No. I'm surprised I said it once. <laughs> so Alienation is a runtime of 91 minutes. It's rated R. Production budget of $16 million. It came out on Friday, October 7th, 1988. I was 13. Opening weekend. I was one year old. Those were the days. <laughs> Opening weekend, I did $8 million. Domestic, $25.2 million. International, $6.9 million for a worldwide total of $32 million. So it probably just made its money back. Was, what, Who knows? Do you think marketing back then was that much? Do you think they marketed that hardcore back then? I'm, I'm No. And I'm sure it wasn't that expensive. And who knows what the box office, uh, excuse me, the home box office sales were. So probably pretty hot considering they made a TV show. And five TV movies. That's right. Production company was 20th Century Fox and American Entertainment Partners. And it was distributed by 20th Century Fox. So it came out on October 7th, 1988. It went up against Memories of Me, Gorillas in the Mist, and Punchline. I know Gorillas in the Mist. I might know Punchline. You know Gorillas in the Mist, but have you seen Gorillas in the Mist? Only parts. There you go. I should watch it. I do like Gorillas and Sigourney Weaver and Jane Goodall in general. So nice, nice. I should watch it. I wonder how that ends. In a limited release, you had Clara's Heart, uh, and a wide release on October fourteenth, the week after. You had The Accused. We've talked about The Accused on this podcast before. Yes, great film. Great film. Mm -hmm. Really good film. Really tough scene. Uh, to watch again. 
So, yes. but it's a really good film. Uh, and a limited release, you had Pumpkinhead and Another Woman. The week before, September 30th, you had Heartbreak Hotel and Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. <laughs> Was that the first Elvira? Yes, I believe so. Okay. And the limited release, you had Bird. Now, I don't know, to be fair, I don't know the history of Elvira. But I want to say this, if it's the first movie, I don't know if it's the first time that we've ever seen Elvira. She might have been more of a TV celebrity. Okay, because I was going to say, I thought she went back to like the early 80s. But I'm readily admitting to the people that are going to complain, I don't know the history of Elvira. Me me neither. It just sounded like it was the first movie, which is why. I I believe it is. But again, I'm not certain on that. I'm really surprised you listed Pumpkinhead. I've always been very surprised no one's ever gone back and remade Pumpkinhead. In the last like 10 years. Isn't there so. like eight sequels? Yes. Yeah. But they've all been from the early 2000s. I'm surprised no one in like the 2010s or 20s now have gone back and made like a, you know, a streaming service is so prevalent. It's not a great movie. Yeah. But it's an awesome monster. Maybe it slipped through the cracks. Maybe. Maybe you're the man to do that, to make that happen, Butler. <sighs> Can I get Lance Henriksen back or is he too old? Um, You better hurry. <laughs> We love you, Lance. Directed by this movie is directed by Graham Baker, who's done The Final Conflict. That's the second time we brought up this, this Final Conflict. We did this yeah. last season, that last week, too. Uh, Beowulf, not the Beowulf you're thinking, but the other one. The Highlander Beowulf. <laughs> yes. And Impulse. <laughs> uh, written by Rockney S. O'Bannon, who's done a bunch of TV shows Farscape, Defiance, mm-hmm. and more recently, Evil. Cinematographer. Did you watch Farscape? No. That's dope. That's too. I got that was too sci-fi for me. There's like a limit to my sci-fi. I think Oldfield wouldn't like that, but Newfield seems to have watched a lot more sci-fi lately. Well, I think you'd what, appreciate a lot of the why, practicals and stuff. Why don't you give me a comparative? What what you compare it to? Because uh, I because I watched Star Trek Next Generation, but I right. did not watch Deep Space Nine. Like I just was like, I don't know if I could do that. So is it like a Deep Space Nine? No, it's really out there sci-fi, but it's all practicals. It's it's very strange, but it's got really interesting characters. I, I think you would like it enough to stay on with it. It's only three seasons or four seasons, and they're shorter seasons. But see, you don't ever watch anything I recommend. So why would I watch something you recommend? Because you watch everything. <laughs> I watch a lot. I watch a lot. This is true. This is true. Uh, Cinematographer was Adam Greenberg. <laughs> it's nominated for an Oscar for Terminator 2, uh, Judgment Day. Also, he did uh, did Ghost and La Bamba, to name a few. Composer was Kurt Sobel, who did The Flamingo Kid, A Cool Dry Place, and Defenseless. Edited by Kent Beta, who has done This Is Spinal Tap, Inner Space, and the Angry Birds movie. He actually did both Angry Birds films. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, produced by Gail Ann Hurd and Ro- Richard Kobritz. Hurd has done Aliens and Armageddon, just to name a few. She's Mm-hmm. A lot of films. Big time. Yes. Cobritz has done Christine and the Salem's Lot TV movie. Uh, that was in the 80s, I believe. It was the 80s, I think. Again, another film that doesn't have a big cast, Butler. It actually has background characters, I mean, I guess. But well, yes. Well, guess what? They ain't in my cast list so because they're background <laughs> characters. You know, James Kahn, who plays Matthew Sykes, who was nominated for the uh, an Oscar for The Godfather. He's also in Thief, an episode we did. Rollerball. Oh, so good. Yes, and Misery. We are big James Conn fans, and we were super sad when he passed away this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, rest in peace, sir. Mandy Patinkin as Sam Francisco, uh, who is also known as George by uh, Sykes in this movie, which we'll get into why they call him George. 
Uh, he's uh, he's in The Princess Bride, the TV show Homeland, and Dick Tracy, an episode we did. Terrence mm-hmm. Stamp as William Harcourt was nominated for an Oscar for Billy Rudd, the Limey. He was in the Limey. Now he wasn't nominated for an Oscar, although I would have been okay with it. And the Adjustment Bureau, another episode we did. That's right. And and he's General Zod, dude. There you go, General Zod. That's what ma- he's so recognizable. And his voice is so recognizable, even under all that makeup. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Is that Terrence Stamp?" <laughs> well, when you first meet him, and and I my my note is that you meet this guy, and he's so stiff and he's so serious. He can't be the bad guy in this, can he? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, it's just like, oh, of course he is. Anyway, well, here you go, Butler. Before we get into the rest of the cast list, better Zod, Stamp, or Michael Shannon. Uh, they're very different Zods. This is true. This is very um, true. I got to give it to Stamp because he's going to live the test of time. And Shannon is not like the thing that stands out. Although I think Shannon is coming back for the new Flash movie. Well, Michael Shannon's motivation as Zod is much. He got a lot more stuff to do more than Stamp yes. did. His motivation That's, as Zod is a lot closer to the comic books, which but I it's was like. but it makes Zod a much uh, a bit a better, well rounded character in terms of his oh, motivation absolutely. to be the villain or not a villain in his eyes. If it was uh, a movie where humans were on the other alien planet, Zod would be the hero. I want to bring humanity back. I'm trying to make Earth like mm-hmm. that. Would be like, oh shit! All right, yeah, <laughs> I got to kill these bugs. <laughs> And Terrence Stamp is a, a very good actor, but I also think Michael Shannon is a fantastic actor and a really I think he doesn't get enough credit. I was gonna say Michael Shannon might be one of my like if I made a list of like top ten favorite actors, he'd be up there. He does Michael Shannon is awesome. He does what he wants to do, like in terms of what roles he picks. And um and I I mean I gotta respect that. He's one of those you're right. If I if someone was like, here's money, go make a movie, if there was a role that I could have Michael Shannon in, I would try to I would try to get him. That's how Absolutely. good he is. Yeah. He's great in Shape of Water as well. Like he's it's everything. He's, he's good in, he's good in everything. What was the one where he was the father and the kid was like an alien or had powers? Oh, um, but then wasn't Adam Driver in that? Maybe. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah. I remember him. If you don't if you've never seen the Waco TV show that they did a couple of years ago. No, I didn't. Yeah, he plays the one of the FBI agents who is like talking to David Koresh and stuff like that in that movie. He's really good in that. He's really good He's in that. Good in everything. So sorry about that five minute <laughs> Michael <laughs> Shannon tangent we just went on. Um, but anyways, back to the back to the cast. Kevin Major Howard as Rudyard Kipling, uh, who uh, who's one of the aliens or one of the newcomers. Excuse me, not aliens. One of the newcomers. Terrence Stamp also plays a newcomer, as does Mandy Patinkin. Uh, mm-hmm. Howard's in Full Metal Jacket and Sudden Impact. Leslie Bevs, Bevis as Cassandra. She is the newcomer stripper. That kind of comes on to uh, the Sykes mm-hmm. character. Is she a full-on stripper, or is she just like an exotic dancer? Well, she doesn't take my off note is that she's the worst stripper ever because <laughs> that's just I, like there's nothing I like in that scene in terms of like if I'm there to see whatever I'm there to see, that's not it. That's- uh, George liked it a lot. No, of course George liked it. <laughs> uh, she is in Spaceballs and the TV show, the soap opera Young and Restless. And then Peter Jason is in there. I only have a minute because he was in Prince of Darkness, which is an episode we did. He plays one of the cops, Fetterchuk. He's like a terrible cop. He's also mm-hmm. in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. He plays one of the senators. I didn't realize that. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, so 
And that's that's it for the cast. I, there's other bunch of other people that are just kind of like extra. There's and, the big guy who's in like everything yeah, back then. But he I don't, played Shao Kahn, but I did. can't find him on the IMDb. Exactly. Trips. So I didn't I didn't hunt him down. <laughs> <laughs> but he was in everything in the 90s and early 2000s. So I'm curious why you think I'm going to hate this film. I have never seen this film. Interesting. I put this on the list because I have seen this film. I watched the Alienation TV show a lot growing up because it always repeated in the Sci-Fi Channel. So anytime I was homesick for school or it was the summertime, I would watch Sci-Fi Channel ad nauseum, paranormal documentaries, Lost in Space, the original show, um, Land of the Giants, which is terrible, <laughs> uh, Godzilla reruns, and Alienation. That's actually also where I watched all of Quantum Leap. And I liked the show originally, the concept of the show. It was a little hokey, but I liked the... What they were going with, I liked the main actors. I thought they were very good. It wasn't a very good show, but it was. It kept my interest, and I, I again, I liked the parallels, what they do with the aliens. But I never watched the movie, and my parents had the movie in their VHS case forever. And my mom was always like, "Why don't you watch the movie? Why don't you watch the movie?" And I would always remember, I'd always take it out, you know, after school or whatever. I'd always watch a movie, and I'd take out like three VHSs and go, "All right, which one of these three do I want to watch?" And it came out almost every time, and I never watched it. I never decided to watch it. So I think that it's perfect for Forgotten Cinema because it's a movie I forgot about, but I remember the TV show. I remember the concept better than I remember that it was ever a movie. And as well, growing up, my respect for James Caan had grown. It's just like, why have I never watched this movie? I've watched the TV show. This one has James Caan. I need to watch this. But watching it now, I I don't think it's a bad movie, nope. but I think that it needs that alien shtick to work. And I think the movie based on the, the plot, the procedure, the police plot that it's going for is rather generic if you didn't have aliens involved. And I think that might be why you might not like some of it. As a movie, as a story, Aliens aside, I don't think it's particularly – I don't think it's bad, but it's not memorable. I think the alien shtick is what makes it work. Uh, so that's why I don't think – I don't think you're going to shit it. I don't think you're going to hate it. But I think that that's going to be a problem I think both you and I both agree with. So you think I'm going to – I could be wrong. What, I've been wrong before. So I'm going to have a problem with it because of the aliens. No, no, no. But because without the aliens – the plot doesn't work as well. Well, it's an allegory for immigration. Right, right. Yeah. But I don't think that the actual case, as someone who's like, I know I'm pretty into detective stuff, but I know you even more so are. And I think as a police case, it's a little rote. It's a little, it's a little overdone. Well, it's like Wind River, when we talked about how them solving that case and like Graham Greene talks about how like, this case is solving that. itself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like that. It, it's not, it's not really dependent upon the mystery, even though there is a mystery to it. But the mystery really isn't uh, a big part the forefront. of it. Right. The theme is almost more important than the story in this movie. It is. And it's like the theme of in terms of like – because the Sykes character isn't – You mean shithead? Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, it, Butler's reference to the fact that in the newcomer's language, it's Sykes is similar to like he says like Sykes, Sykes. and I mean yeah. that means you know 
excrement uh, head and shithead. Um, yeah. But the uh, like Sykes character isn't bigoted enough to kind of hit home on the two guys from different walks of life realize that, you know, there's nothing different about them, you know, like that kind of theme, right? you know, but, but Sykes has an awesome line in this where he's like, he's like, don't, when he, he makes a don't comment, don't take it wrong. I'm a bigot. Don't take it personally. I'm a bigot. <laughs> I'm just like, that's a great line, but he's just not, he's, it, it, it's not enough for me to, I, cause I know what they're trying to do. Right. Um, I just, I kinda, everyone does. It's pretty on. the. Oh no, the it is. Absolutely. Yeah. It's absolutely on the nose <laughs> with all with the stuff about the immigration, about you know the newcomers coming down and they're you know taking my jobs. Yeah, all that like that that whole stuff when they were doing the the commercial and it was just like oh my god, I get it, we get it. I got a six year old in my calculus class in college. Yeah, he's gonna take my job. There's a couple of things like that too where they kind of reveal uh, details about the newcomers and their advanced intelligence, but they don't really ever like brace you for that. You just have to figure it out as you're listening to, Oh, I guess they're smarter than us at a young age. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> we get that. Right. Uh, so stuff like that. The, the whole idea about how they first got here and they were in the mines and they were, or they were, you know, they would, or they were in quarantine and all that stuff. Like they, that's something we learn in the end of the second act. Uh, no, they do say that they were in quarantine during the write-up, I believe. I'm pretty sure they say that they arrived, they were placed in quarantine. Three years later, they, they won the court case for their release. Three years. It's awfully, it's awfully Short quick. For aliens. To get hit, to, like all that stuff. And here's the other thing, though. Here's the, pro- here's the problem. Not the problem I have, but here's something else that the movie starts off with the blur and the blurbs on the, the blurbs on the poster. But the movie starts off with... 1991, right? That opening, they've come to Earth. Right. Yeah, they've come to Earth. They've landed. They've come to Earth to live among. No, because it's 1991. They've come to Earth to live among us. You know, they've learned our language, all that stuff. So that makes it seem like they landed in 91, the way that's written out in the opening of the movie. But they're actually right. landing in 88. Yep. So it's like it's a little confusing when it starts because when they do that. And then they had the shot of Reagan. I'm like, Reagan's in 91. Um, what? I had the same. I had the same thing. I was like, wait, are you saying that Reagan won a third term? Yeah, I didn't. That really confused me. Uh, I had the same. I had the same exact note. That was Reagan won a third term, and then I just I, I realized that. Oh, okay, wait. Mm-hmm. It was a year before before they got out of quarantine. Uh, so to answer your question, no, I don't hate this film. Uh, but it's not perfect. It's no. And again, this is another film that ha- uh, had a lot of issues in terms of completing it and uh, getting the, what they wanted to do out of it. Um, it seems to be the theme of the last, like, yeah, f- we've done like out of the last 10 episodes, three or four of our films have had this problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like some of the, like the opening, the whole gunfight and the, that, that decent action. But that reminds oh, yeah, very eighties. Yeah. Very very rough eighties. Um, the whole way the movie looks is is very almost like as is. Like when I was watching this, I was like, "Is this on purpose? Like, are they purposely <laughs> shooting this just kind of like you know, like like as is?" And then I read the note where uh, Greenberg 
you know, was approaching the film with like a documentary style technique. I like to look at the film other than the beach scene. Um, it's dark. What? No, I, I don't mind the darkness of the beach scene when they find the body. Okay. Washed up. I thought the grays were too gray and it looked like they didn't do a Passover at all. It just looked like they filmed it, like you said, as is. And that was the only time I really noticed it where it bothered me and it didn't seem like it was trying to be gritty. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed like it was trying to be lazy. I just think it, the note that I read was that he was trying to uh, he was trying to make it just documentary style to number one, to kind of hide or not give away the makeup of the aliens, you know, just to kind right. of like like we just said presented as is so i think that's where all that came from and i also have a note where that scene when they're on the beach um like the dark the night scene not 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 the day scene the night scene like he shot it right very hard very natural he used the car light the car headlights the only way to light the scene i like that though yeah but i just don't i I don't hardcore is bathed in light even though he was the bad guy and well, the the guy who didn't want to give in to the drugs, well, here's is a little shrouded. But here's my here's here's my not my problem, but here's my question or my sure. concern is that, you know, if you're gonna shoot a movie like that, it's very difficult for a movie to hold up years later, decades later, unless the script is is the story is really compelling. Um, you know what I mean? Like, cause there's, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I agree. Like when a, when a movie doesn't look perfect, but the script is really good, you don't care. Um, you know, and if the movie, if, but if a movie is written well and the audio sucks, you care because the audio is terrible. So with this movie, I'm just, that was just a, a tangent with this film, right? Because the way it's shot documentary style, I don't think it does the movie any favors in terms of it's moving on in the future, in terms of people watching it and appreciating it. Okay, I agree. It didn't do anything special with the cinematography at all. Right. I mean, it's a stylistic choice, and that's fine. I just, um, in terms of maybe like maybe this is more of a note for why it's forgotten that it's not when you look at other films back then. When like a movie like you talked about, *Lethal Weapon*, um, there's a lot more going on in camera style wise. Uh, *Lethal visually. Weapon* is probably one of the first, and, and movies I think still take it today. Like in terms of like. Uh, even the, like the L.A. set, like that heat of L.A., mm-hmm. like the way Lethal Weapon filmed that, everyone has copied as nauseum since then. Mm-hmm. And Lethal Weapon came out in also 88 or 89? No, uh, Die Hard was 86. 88. Uh, Lethal 88. Weapon was 87 or 86? Yeah. So like they've been copying Die Hard's like <laughs> that that heat L.A. heat ever since. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's ever stopped. Uh, but yeah, you're right in terms of alienation. It's just at best looks like every other cop film. Right. What did you think about the alien, the look of the aliens though? I mean, I have mixed thoughts about it. It's okay. Like when it, when it's, it, it's, um, I always thought it was kind of just like, I was just kind of like, eh, you know, not, not really blown away by it. Not, Mm -hmm. but I think that your reaction to watching it on the TV show where you thought it was a little hokey. I, I agree with that. I think because the movies are rated, that I guess that kind of it kind of makes it kind of gives me a little bit of a different view on the aliens in terms of I I maybe I'm okay with the look, but it's not anything they do. They just look, it just looks not, I want to say weird in terms of 
Like, oh, these guys look different than us, but weird in terms of the makeup effect. You know, I don't, okay. you know what I mean? Like, I don't, they're not very attractive, which is fine. Like that stripper scene or the dance scene, I'm just kind of like, eh. Yeah, she's okay looking enough. I th- I think that they, par- like, I like the TV show because they looked a little more similar. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, they all look pretty different. And it doesn't seem like they look different because of a stylistic choice. But because of like, hey, we just don't have the time to make a similar prosthetic for everybody. So we're going to stretch it, make it work for every different head we got. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the TV show, they all kind of had like, you know, humans, we all look very different, but we don't look like we don't have weird lobes and stuff like that, that like not everybody's that different. Like we have a basic shape, but these aliens kind of did. Mm-hmm. And the fuzz on the back of their head, I thought was so poorly done. You know, it's and I guess that was a choice that came afterward. I didn't notice that until maybe like 45 minutes into the movie. When same with me. Yeah. When like they were in the light and like, Oh, there's actual hair because the, the, the spots on their head are supposed to be like hair. Like, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so why have hair? And then they added, it looks like it's fake hair. It just looks bad. Well, did you hear, did you read the note that uh, the males are going to have spines on the top of their heads in this movie? Yeah, it would come up like a mohawk when yeah. they got threatened. And what's funny is, so I didn't, when I watched this, I've seen it, like I said, I saw this film before, and I was, throughout the whole film, like, I'm pretty sure there's a guy that does have, like, goes, has horns. <laughs> and then obviously, they the, the transformation, when because I always, I always remember him opening up the blue liquid in mid part way. I always remembered that pour, yeah. pouring it and, and drinking, missing half his mouth, but drinking it. Oh yeah. And, and, and doing that. I always remember that image from the movie and, but I completely forgot about how he transforms. I was like, Oh, right. That happens. <laughs> but the, the ridge that goes up, I noticed in galaxy quest, oh, right. The bad guy has, has the ridge that goes up when he gets angry. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if they took that from, uh, if galaxy quest took that. Well, I know we, you know, it's funny is I know this, this last week's episode, but I'll say it anyways, that the the scene, the meat grinder scene in Event Horizon, when they're walking to the to grab the, oh, the hallway, yeah. That hallway, the guy who wrote Galaxy Quest watched that move, watched Event Horizon and used that for that the ch- boom boom when they have yep. the, yeah. He's like, it looks like meat grinders. So there's a little bonus. Excuse me, there's a little bonus for last episode. Sorry, but back to this one. <laughs> Throw it in. But yeah, I know. Uh yeah, so I mean, did you so you don't you're oh you were kind of and eh, with the effect because it's, it's I, not Stan Winston but it's Stan Winston people exactly that's why I was a little disappointed like it looks okay but I think the TV show actually did it better which makes me sad because the TV show was obviously done on a budget but they're still learning I do like how they built the prosthetics in a, a cost effective way the people that were close up got a lot of work done you know obviously like Mandy Patinkin's character and and Harcourt. You know, they had the faces that move. A lot of work was done. And then the uh, the second dairy actors in the background, they could move their mouths and it moved a little bit. And then the third actors way in the back just basically had masks that couldn't move. Yeah, they had um, they had A, B, C, D makeup breakdowns. In yeah, terms of, I like that. Yeah. Well, that's just that's just a cheap way to kind of like you're not going to see them. So don't worry about them. But here's the other thing, Butler. The note I read was that there were 300,000 newcomers in L.A., and I'm like, how many newcomers are on that ship when they drop? Six million. Are you kidding me? There were six million? They say six million. On that one ship? I I don't know if it's one ship or two ship, but yeah, six million. Dear Lord. 
I believe total. Did I fall asleep at that point? Maybe I did. <laughs> I might have. I might have fallen. It, it was a real quick blurb at the beginning. Wow. All right. I mean, geez. I mean, technology, you had to get a really wide shot. You'd have to do it CG, which they didn't have back then, really. Yeah. <laughs> so nowadays it would be like the independent, it would look more like the Independence Day ship mm-hmm. to be able to hold 6 million. But yeah, that ship was definitely too small to hold 6 million. But it's also a slave ship. So even though they took it over and brought it to Earth, who knows, you know, how they were packed and what kind of conditions they were in. Right. So, which the whole thing gave me very district. District Nine vibes. Well, but well, I mean, it's it's that theme, that same theme. That District Nine has that same immigration theme. Oh, exactly. Yeah. But District Nine, like, it's almost like exactly the same. Like they're in quarantine, they can't go. It's like mm, very similar. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's like I said, it's 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 basing upon real life and what we're all used to. It. Did you see that Jerry Goldsmith was actually in the was actually the person who originally was hired as a composer? Yeah, and he did the score. And it was released, but in very limited. I want to listen to it. Score was deemed too weird. <laughs> Which is weird because Jerry Goldsmith, Goldsmith does some beautiful scores. So I want to see what a weird Jerry Goldsmith score is. I don't know. Maybe I, it has a flute in it or something. I don't know. I don't know. Like the Hans Zimmer score for Dune is way out there, which is what he wanted. But it's you can't really listen to it while you're like working a ride up. <laughs> <here. laughs> I want to know what a weird Jerry Goldsmith song sounds like. So, Butler, you talked about the alternate titles of the film. So they were Future Tense, which is Yes, dumb. I hated that one so much. Outer Heat. Yep, that's another one I hated. Space Cop. And then what was going to be, but they finally changed it, Space Cop LA 1991. Yes, even worse. What, what, where do they get these titles from? Space Cop. Uh, a cheesy 1950s sci-fi like drive-in. Oh, maybe. Yeah. yeah, maybe. Like, what was the second one again? Uh, outer heat, outer heat. Well, that was going to be where the, the hell did that come from? That was going to be the title, and I think Red Heat was came out that year. So yeah, they, so it stopped it. So, so which is it. great because Outer Heat, the movie would have been even more forgotten if it was called Outer <laughs> Heat. You wouldn't have anything. James Con, Outer Heat. James Con doesn't like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I read. I had that note. Where? Where's his? I have his comment it, here. Yeah. Why the hell would you bring that up? Yeah. Why the fuck? You know, why the fuck would you bring that up? He was asked during an interview with the AV Club in 2013. He's like, yeah. He's like, a lot of people actually like that film. I do for one. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Oh no. The interview says that I, I like it. He's like, and Khan's like, yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't yeah. have too many. I mean, I loved Mandy Patinkin. Mandy was a riot, but I don't know. It was a lot of silly stuff creatively. We had this English director. He's talking about Graham Baker who I wasn't really that fond of. I mean, nice guy, but it was just one of those things where, you know, you don't quit, you get through it. It certainly wasn't one of, I wouldn't write it down as one of my favorite movies, but it was pretty popular. (laughs) James Conn being diplomatic. Not a fan. Being honest and diplomatic. I like that. Patinkin wasn't, uh, Patinkin's been known to be um, sometimes tough to work with. Uh, so, and he wasn't a big, he wasn't a big fan of it as well. Although he actually, no, he wasn't a fan of the fact that they changed the name of his character because to George, right? So originally, no, originally he was going to, it was going to be George Jetson because, oh, that's right. Yep. yep the whole yep. idea that when the newcomers come down, they give them, they gave them names and they obviously are like Richard, they got playing. lazy and stupid. Right. So his character was going to be George Jetson, but Hannah Barbera said, no, you can't use George Jetson. That's why Sykes is like, I'm just going to call you George. I'm not calling you San Francisco. And so he just calls him George. And that's kind of like the inside joke. But Patinkin 
his quote is, I assume that the name of the character I agreed to play was George Jetson. And I was pretty pissed off that there was a screw up and that the name couldn't be used. I thought it made a tremendous difference to the piece that this guy's name was George Jetson because it gave a cartoon feeling and innocence that was important to the movie's whole idea. It's a great loss to the piece that we couldn't recover, a great misfortune that couldn't be solved. It would have helped a lot. I actually disagree with that. Because I think George Jetson is too George Jetson is too too on the nose, not on the nose, but yes, but too distracting. It's too distracting. Uh, okay, I think because it's 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 too humorous. It's too like ugh. I mean, like just to know that his name is George Jetson. Then how many times are they going to have George Jetson jokes in the movie and stuff like that? Where's Jane? <laughs> Jane, his wife. Rosie. Yeah, that's all I'm thinking. It's like eh. so I'm. I'm okay with him calling him George because he doesn't want to call him San Francisco. That worked for me. I I, I don't. I kind of yeah, disagree no, I like with that. the Jets and the whole. If it was George Jetson, I wouldn't be. I'd be. I would be eh with it. It would be too much. You already. He's innocent enough. You already get that yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. You don't need anything else. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I wasn't. I wasn't a big fan. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have liked that. But uh, but whatever. From the beginning, you get that Sam or George. <laughs> Is is a very innocent person who wants to do things by the book, who wants to make an example for his son and for his people. And I think that in itself is enough. That's that you don't enough, need that George Jetson thing. But it's, but here's the thing too with that. You only see his wife and his son once. And twice. They're at the wedding. Once. Yeah. But they don't get they're, any, they're at the really wedding dialogue. and their credits are rolling. But like <laughs> you only see them one time in the movie. Then and in a movie like this, and maybe it's because we've been conditioned in movies like these, at some point his his kid or his wife would have been kidnapped by the bad guy. Like they would have been brought into this uh, issue that they were having. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. So he can say all he wants. Right. He can say <laughs> all he wants about how he's this is for his family, but we never actually see it. We just get this hallmark video pic of them at the white picket fence waving goodbye. And yeah. that doesn't do anything for me. So I think uh, to your point about the story and to your point about the mystery, I don't think there's enough uh, that that's that's there's there's not enough brought into it. There's not enough classic 80s cop drama action brought into it. I think a big problem is that. You don't get like the movie follows Sykes. To a T. Uh, you get a couple of scenes where it follows George, which is kind of weird because you do follow Sykes so much that you really should follow the both of them in the way that like Lethal Weapon does. Don't make Sykes your only hero. Mm-hmm. Make it Sykes and George's movie. And they don't. They make it Sykes' movie. And I feel like that gets you out of being able to see a scene with George and his son, George's wife, to realize that these aliens are just people, which is the theme you're going for is immigrants, people of color, people of different faiths, religion, you know, sexual preferences. They're all people. That's what you're going for in this movie. But you don't show enough of that because you focus only on the bigot. And he changes so fast, like you said, or he's not as extreme. He does he change doesn't though? make an impression. He, does he really change? Do you really get uh, the sense that he changes his viewpoint on all newcomers? No, he likes his one newcomer. Right. 
which almost makes me think, did he actually like his partner? Was he racist to black people before the newcomers came? He probably or, st- well, like, you're, you're the one good one, buddy. You're the and, one good one. And how, like, here's the thing, too. Like, how serious of a slur is slag? Like, you never get the sense of how serious it is. Is it serious? Like, is calling a newcomer a slag really uh, tantamount to calling, you know, using the N-word? Like, so is it? Like, you? Need, I need to know how bad that word is. And I need to know where it comes from. Because it just says slag, slag town, slag town. Okay, what's, why are we calling them slags? I have no idea. Yeah, exactly. So I don't, there's, the rules of the bigotry are not put in place. Do you know what I mean? Like, like. The George character never tells him, I don't like being called slag. Don't call me slag. Never. No, which he should have. Like at first he's like, yes, okay, I'm happy to have a partner. But once they get a little bit more into it, he should have spoken up, which he Mm. never does. And But they always do that theme too as well. Not to kind of get off this point, but they always do that theme. And they have this in all these movies. And I think I wrote it down in the viewing notes. Um Always the constant theme is like people never bringing living up to their potential, how he talks about him. You humans have such you talk to us about we could be whatever we want to be. And yet you guys do nothing. You know what I mean? That whole when they're drunk. Um, Yes, but it's a little different. He's talking about like the potential of humans, but it's also about the dichotomy of humans. Come come here, do what you want to do. But also we hate you. Of course, that's that I don't think is explored a lot. I think the idea of infinite human potential is always explained, but the idea of the two-sidedness of it, that we allow everybody here into our country or any free country, come on down. But if you're different, also, uh, we don't want you here. <laughs> we want you here, but also get out. Mm-hmm. Like Why it's that you- dichotomy that's like so messed up and weird. It's human nature. It's not just it's not just here in America. It's everywhere. I mean, we're the shining example of it, unfortunately. But yeah. <laughs> um, but the other thing too is, so you talked about I, I we talked about here's here's a here. How about this for kind of like a theme of what I think is not wrong with the movie, but what I think could be better. Mm-hmm. We talked about George and his family. Never really see his family. We talk, you know, we talk about we skim the immigration issue, but we don't we don't kind of d- dive deep. There's a bunch of things we don't dive deep enough on. We we hear Sykes's daughter. I really don't care that is at his wedding at the end of the movie because I've never met this girl. And I've right. never met the relationship. Yeah, same. I don't understand the relationship. It's like we it's like we've just done enough to make a film. And here's some action. Here's kind of like the plot of the whole film is also just kind of skimmed in. Oh, hey, they're doing pics. They're doing this blue stuff. That's basically PCP. Uh, and it makes them go crazy. It makes them go crazy if they take too much. But like nothing dives deep enough. Like there's no decision to dive deep on any of these issues. So what we're left with is a lot of broken promises and a lot of potential storylines that never kind of they just don't amount to nothing. So it's like. It's like the some of the parts aren't even enough to make a full whole movie and it makes a weaker film. What do you think of that whole kind of theme of terms of like why this doesn't work? I'd agree. I, it's that's pretty much it. It's like it doesn't focus enough on the racism and then tries to focus on the the case, but the case isn't very strong. It's a very it's not a bad mystery, but it's a very by the books drug den kind of case. And it's not very well hidden either. It's like, like whatever. Like Harcourt. You know, I, I joke about how like obviously he's the bad guy. Obviously. And oh, you, hidden for us as the viewer? Yeah. No, but like, but not even that. Like 
he's somebody who is obviously has a has wealth and he's well liked amongst humans and he's putting mm-hmm. on airs, but like he has no qualms about killing a guy drug, you know, having like, you know, doing the whole drug transaction. Like he doesn't yep. really care about protecting that image. He's really just kind of like, man, you find out, you find out, whatever. Uh, so it's, there's really no consideration in terms of, there's no, there's no concern on Harcourt's part in terms of like, there's no bigger play. Let's maybe that there's no bigger play to uh, into his scheme. It's just like, I'm going to sell drugs and that's it. Yeah, I was really hoping for something a little more akin to like buying up parts of LA. Yeah. Or like, like maybe that's what I thought it would has be. Like a human partner who's also rich and is going to make money off it as well. Yeah. Like I, I really thought like, okay, so he's buying land so that low income newcomers can live there. Mm-hmm. But then he's like, I was like, okay, so he's going to use that to try to leverage that and like bulldoze those homes and make casinos or nope, nope. He's just selling detergent. That's what he does. And I'll, so what we're saying is that these four guys in quarantine came up with the recipe for this blue drug that they take. That all together they figured out how to make. It. That's amazing. Like, really? One of them was a ke- one of them was a chemist. I, I just and one I, of them was in biology. But or it's just so. it's just like you created it. So you created this drug that gave. That gave what? That gave you the power over the like the he like because then, um, George talks about how they all worked in the mines and that this drug was what they got when they worked in the mines. They got a little bit of the drug as a reward. Where did they work in the? Where did they work? Was it? We're not. I keep saying mines, but they. Where did they work on Earth? No, they were slaves in outer space. The overseers, quote unquote. So then, these four guys came up with this drug before the quarantine. If see, this is what I'm talking about. No, no, no. So that part didn't confuse me. Like, so basically they're free, whatever, but you've got a ton of aliens that used to be addicts. So how do you make some money? So they what they, if we sell they, those drugs? They back engineered it, is what it? we're saying. Right. And oh. they were like, we can make a lot of money if we can remake if these addicts got that drug again. Right. Yeah. Okay. See, it's it's not enough. There's not enough there for me. That part didn't bother me. I mean but again, I found more interesting. What were these camps like? Uh, what was life like there? Like, there's so much like they just gloss over. And it's like, all right, let's go with this rote police case. Mm-hmm. And there's George going like, you know what happened if our people found out about this or that, or if your people found out, they'd probably uh, just capitalize on it. I'm sorry. Yeah, yes, they would be making that drug. They, those aliens. Uh, they like, would right, use, the CIA or the FBI would use the drugs to right control. Now. Yeah, to put. Yeah, the, yeah, to control the newcomer. Uh, you uh, guys people. want to make some money? Here's a whole bunch of this. Go to Russia yeah. or whatever, and go uh, go attack. Yeah. Oh, please. Six million newcomers came down. They're not in Russia. They're here. they're in America only, probably. Maybe a couple other countries. No, I'm saying you send them over to soldiers. With oh, the right, 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 right. Yep. Yeah, maybe. Just take advantage of it. Oh, right. Oh. But the whole thing is like those things. Yeah. Oh, I got to cover it up. Got to cover it. Like, A, they're not going to find that drug then. B, like Sykes said, it's you're still a police officer. Someone's going to have to find out about this place and shut it down. Mm-hmm. You smashed a couple of pipes. Doesn't mean they can't rebuild it. Mm-hmm. And Harcourt ripped the spines out of like eight people. You're not going to be able to cover that up. <laughs> it's like they didn't think about these things when they were making this movie and like coming up with the case. Yeah, well, they didn't, I, they, there's a lot of things I didn't think about, like the whole idea that he's the first newcomer cop there, and he doesn't. He's get He's the first newcomer detective. Detective, 
but he doesn't get they just they get one kind of scene where they they're like oh no way but there's nothing else I mean, okay, they get the ETPD thing there. Yeah, you get the car thing, but yeah, you don't get enough. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. There's not enough of that racism there between the PD. And maybe that's probably why it became a TV show because they thought they could, you know. Uh, the TV show does way more with it. Well, they, they it only ran for a year, right? And then they had a TV year, movies. Yeah, and then the movies. Do you remember the movie names? I have them. If you don't, uh, the Udara Legacy. The last a couple one. of I, I was looking them up, but yeah, yeah. So like by memory, I didn't remember. I mean, them. watching this film now, I don't really have any notion to go watch the show <laughs> the movie so i'm just like eh, whatever did you see i think it, oh go ahead it could be done now again like you'd absolutely redo this especially like the themes are timeless i think you need to but you got to revamp in, it. you need to but, hone yeah. the script in on something you need to what kind of what movie are you telling oh absolutely yeah i think you need that um i didn't realize that james cameron did a rewrite on this film. Oh, uncredited rewrite, yeah. yeah. This, uh, the screenplay, October 1987 screenplay, has uh, his draft, has his credit his name, but he's not in anything else. But I believe he probably He probably wrote that Ocean Water Hurts Them, because the ocean's got to be involved some way with uh, James Cameron. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, that how the salt water affects them. Did it remind you of Science? Because it reminded me of Science. And I was like, I'm going to take this from there. <laughs> Doubt he's seen Oh, maybe he saw this film. Um. But yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I guess it's, it is what it is. Why would you live on the coast if that affects you? I'd be living in- I was thinking the uh, same yeah, thing. You'd be living in the middle of the country. Yeah. Like, does what happens if you're on the beach and the wind blows the salt water in the air and then you get it gets on you? Do you get oh. burned? Yeah. The whole thing at the end where he's on the helicopter, it's like water is splashing everywhere. Yeah. Do you not- Everywhere. What happens if someone throws salt in your face? Like, you're going to get burnt? Like, what, yeah. Is what, it the water or is it the salt? Yeah. What's the limit? What's the limit we're doing here? Yeah. It's stupid. <laughs> I also like this is a dumb no. Cause I'm like like um but 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 like the whole scene where he eats the beaver and he's oh, like, raw beaver. beaver. And I'm thinking to myself, so now all I'm thinking is like, so now there are farms in in the state in in you know in the United States that are basically breeding beavers to be eaten and slaughtered. Like why? Like that's like I just am like really is that now is that now a thing? Didn't he say they're like space beavers though? No, he said they're beaver. He just said beaver. Okay. Space beavers. So where'd you get that? I mean, all right, but <laughs> I think he might have said something like it, it's no all. Oh, it's like something they ate on. Maybe because maybe. All, all he said that he said that when you cook it, the nourishment we can't get the nourishment. But then why they does, can't cook the food? But then why does sour milk? Is alcohol that's not fresh? I, I stuff like that. No sour milk's like it's almost like we ferment things. Same thing with that. True, true. But that's gross. <laughs> it is gross. But that's the thing. It's like it's supposed to be gross that you go. Ah, that's gross. So even the most like unracist person would be like, ah, that's too far. <laughs> Are you real? Come on, man. It's a different culture. Get you got to be all right with it. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, imagine the resale value, man. Your milk goes bad. You got some neighbors next door. Five bucks, you got my spider milk. Boom. You never have to buy milk again. <laughs> what did you think about um, uh, the opening gun gunfight scene? I liked it. It was very 90s. It was very cheesy. It was very much like, you know, I always talk about like, I like the things I liked like in early 90s, late 80s action movies. When I get to see those when we do Forgotten Cinema and I've never seen it before. It's always nice to see a fresh old school gunfight scene that, you know, you don't get anymore. 
And this was kind of the same way. Like the, he's hiding behind that pole where 90% of his body is exposed and they still just hit the, hit the pole. And he's like, Oh, Oh, thank God. I'm all right. That's like true lies. Yeah. Only in the uh, late eighties, early nineties. But like, so it goes to the pole, but doesn't go to him. But when he's in the car, when he's behind the car, the holes are being blown through the car. Yep. He's a cop. He should be hiding behind the engine block of the car where you're supposed in the front of the car where you're supposed to, but he doesn't. No. But James Conn does, or Sykes does, but Sykes never his partner's getting lit up. Like And he never goes and, he and never, shoots him. He never yeah. shoots. He never he just watches. And I was just he like, doesn't provide cover fire, yeah. Yeah. I thought the same thing. I was like, You just want him to die. Plot you device. want George to be your partner. Yeah. Plot device, he has to die and, here. Yeah, and the other guy doesn't like all right, so they're shooting forward. You could absolutely military crawl to where they've already shot, and they're not gonna reshoot. And he's just standing there waiting for it to be his turn, surprised when he actually gets shot. Mm-hmm. They're clearly going down the whole car as a, in a line. Move to where they've already shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I did not like that part. Um, I mean, But I knew it was going to happen. I, I knew immediately of course. I started doing it. Like It's like, just kill him already. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of my notes is that this kind of falls apart in the third act, but that's really unfair because it's not held together well. So I think that was inevitable. Well, it's a bad edit as well. True. Uh, true. And you're, you're referencing the fact that they had to cut stuff. Yeah. It's like there's a lot of stuff that like I didn't know some things like I guess Sykes has a gun at one point that doesn't have a gun then has it again. Mm-hmm. That I didn't realize. But there's stuff like him telling George to leave mm-hmm. was him telling George to go ask other questions. And it seems like because of the way they cut the movie, it's him asking George to leave so he could fucking perv on this lady. <laughs> and uh, it just didn't make a lot of sense in that scene. And then when Cassandra's her name, right? Yes. When Cassandra is told that Sykes is dead, and she goes, Sykes is dead. Ah! And she pulls the gun and she tries to shoot Harcourt. It makes no sense because in the movie. there was, was another like, character. What? They cut out another character. Yeah. So Which they, I didn't read until afterwards. Yeah, so there's a character of Watson who was her boyfriend, and that's why she tries to kill him, tries to kill Harcourt. But like they, so re, they redid it as they, Sykes. They recut a bunch of stuff. The scene when Harcourt's at the beach because that's not supposed to be straight. That's supposed to be Watson. They killed. They reshot, and that's why you have that one shot of uh, Harcourt where he says. Strader's name because initially it's because that whole stuff is usually it's just taken from the Watson scene. So they had a character that just completely removed from the movie. Right. Which made the whole movie kind of fall apart, I feel, because of that. Yeah. Because then all of a sudden it didn't make sense for Cassandra. Why is Cassandra even being questioned? Yeah. And she has one major scene and that's when she's uh, hitting on uh, Sykes. Sykes. And never revisit it. Never go back to it. Never go back. Yeah. I thought she'd be a bigger character once she was there when they were doing their big meetup. And it's never revisited. Mm-hmm. It didn't make sense. It didn't make sense why they were interviewing her. When, if Watson was actually in a character, all of a sudden now it would make sense. Mm-hmm. But it's like you're just trying to add a female character, which is something we talk a lot about, especially in older movies. Throwing a female character and just have one and like not actually giving her her due. Mm-hmm. Just like, yeah, we got we got a broad, whatever. Let's keep on with the movie. <laughs> we don't we want Patinkin and we want Khan. We don't care about anybody else. That sounds like a studio exec. <laughs> exactly. It just come on. Well, it just doesn't uh, make sense. It's and like we talked about Event Horizon uh last week and 
um, cursed a couple weeks ago about studio interference and, and strange edits and cuts. But this is the first one with Cassandra screaming, Sykes, no! Where uh, I was literally left flabbergasted. I all of a sudden the story made no sense to me, mm-hmm. and that uh, it just I don't get some cuts. Like, how did that make it past test audiences where they were like, "Yeah, no, that I I got that." Well, it what when it was cut when it was because it was re-edited to be faster, shorter, faster, and it was supposed right. to be a, a summer film, which I agree with. It should be a summer film. Yes, uh, but it, it got pushed back to October because of the all the re-editing. So they were just slashing it to to get what they wanted out of it, and and that's what you get. You get a you get a you get a movie that's not it's okay, but it's not anything that it's not great. It's not what it could have been. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's why I thought you wouldn't like it because it's like an okay cop movie bolstered by having aliens as yeah. I think it as just- like. The, the immigrants. I think like the stuff, I think the, the stuff between Khan and Patinkin is kind of what's okay. What I like the kind of sure. back and forth and because they're both great actors and they're, 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 they're kind of, I'm cool with that. The drunk scene is whatever. It's kind of like, all right, here we go. I kind of like the drunk scene. Yeah. But it's just, I like that. He's so hung over. He can't stop the bad guy. Yeah. But, but like, then if you're going to have that kind of comedy, you need it throughout the rest of it. Which yeah, you don't have. That stuff is interesting. I mean, I, I I get what they're trying to do in terms of the allegory about immigration, so that's a little interesting. But it's not like I hate it. It's just it's an '80s film. So you're like, ah, I saw this. Okay, it's fine. You know. Yeah. I, like you said, the ending, the whole thing where he sticks his hand in and grabs him, and all that stuff. The the whole this it's like it just ends too. Number two things. One, it just ends. It's like okay, yep. we're at a wedding. And two, the voiceover. There's just a voiceover of Sykes yeah. at the end. Like, why? Oh, yeah. I, I forgot about that. Oh, God. That, it didn't bother me, but like. You know I, I like, hate eh. that. You know well, I hate I know it. you hate that. Yeah. I should have seen that. Because it's like, it's like, I could just, in the edit, what do we, I gotta have something at the end here. We just, it just ends. Oh, let's do a voiceover. Yeah, yeah. I'll write it up. Come on. <laughs> so I just, that, that kind of bugged me too. I feel like this would make for a great remake is so much room for to be remade. The concept is great, but it lives on its concept. And as a movie, it does not work. But like you said, it's a movie of the eighties and you're watching it. You're like, Oh, all right. All right. I don't know if that's me now saying stuff in 2022 that I would have said in, you know, the 1990s when I would have watched it on my VHS growing up. You know, is that are am I a product now of just having watched movies like this or District Nine, which clearly borrowed some stuff from this and handled maybe the subject matter a little more realistically and better? Well, what about I think in I I, I can understand a remake, but I think like the makeup needs to be better. I think the aliens need to be reimagined. Uh yeah, I don't think you should make them too alien though. I don't. I think part of it is that like they look kind of human, and that adds to the the terrible racist nature of humans. Maybe, but I also think the 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 plot or the the story should match something along the lines of Outlander with Connery that we did. That whole about how Outland, not Outlander, Outland, Outland, um, about, that we did for the pint. Yes, uh, <laughs> on their takeover, where kind of like he's trying to figure out where the drugs are, who is 
actually putting the drugs out. Like it's not, they just don't say it's Harcourt. Like, sure. So, and he, like that whole idea, like that, the, the, the mystery of that should be a little, should be better. I don't oh, want you to, need a stronger mystery. You shouldn't rely on your aliens. Right. I don't want to see a series. I'd rather just see a movie, but that's just me. But we'll probably get a streamer if, if it gets remade. So I'm okay. Like the old series wasn't that bad. It was cheesy, but it allowed you to really focus on different segments of racism and, and the way it works mm-hmm. that I, I think that a movie can't explore fully. Mm-hmm. Yet also when you're building a world that's that convoluted, there are camps and there's this and then there's this. It's tough to then have a good story and also explain that whole backstory. But a movie makes you well. focus on one aspect. Pick a lane and go. And then don't try to don't try to do don't try to fill it all into one movie. I think with a C that's that's why I like films because it's a snapshot almost. The series, I think you run the risk of just trying to explain everything and, and you got to have eight different characters from, it's like, it's, you know, That's but, you true. know what, especially maybe, nowadays, maybe my complaint, maybe my complaint is not about whether they should be a movie or TV. I think my biggest complaint, and I, we've already talked about this before is that there's so much mediocre stuff out there and there's so much content that I don't have the faith that this is going to be done by anybody. That's interesting. Like it's going to be just bleh, lame. And it's going to be a waste of my time. It's not going to be good enough. And you know what I mean? I just don't have any faith that it's going to be something great because I'm told about all how all these shows and TV shows come out of the, the greatest thing ever, that they're all right. Academy Award winners. They're all Emmy winners. Give this person the Emmy now. Give this person the Oscar now. Like I'm always told that they're all great. But when I watch them, they're, abs- they're, they're not, not great. <laughs> and I And I respect everyone's opinion to like films, but – and movies and TV, but like not everything's great. And I just don't have any faith that if this was remade today, that it would be any good. Maybe that's, maybe that's, I'm just, I'm just sour and, and I'm just down, down guy today. <laughs> maybe I, just, I have no, I have no faith in my modern filmmaker man or something like that. I don't know, but well, this is now owned by Disney. So you're going to see a remake <laughs> at some point. Will it be in, will it be in uh, one of the uh, Disney world attractions? <laughs> Absolutely. They're going to make a theme park roller coaster. Anyway. Welcome to Slagville. <laughs> It's going to be the alternate universe version of a small, small world. <laughs> oh God. I Welcome know. to slag town. It's a perfect place. <laughs> so why are we saying it's forgotten then? Uh, although it had a bit of a cult following that turned into a series that lasted a year and a few TV movies that lasted almost a decade's worth of smatterings. Interesting. Interesting. Word. It, they were like randomly placed. Like you had like just, Throughout the 90s, like, yeah, we'll do an alienation movie. We'll continue it. Actually, I think they ended in 95, if I'm not mistaken. I, I, I think it all boils down to the the case. The main story just isn't really something that anyone cares about. That that stops it from really moving forward. I think that you have James Conn in it, which is great, but your dialogue isn't good enough and the story's not good enough for Kane, Con, uh, Michael Conn to really like go forth and show off his acting talent like he's good in it it's not like he's not good it's not like mandy patinkin's not good but there's not too much there for them to really be like in their highlight reels almost like Khan said like of all the other films he'd done are you really putting that on the top of the list mm-hmm. and i think that hurts it i think the case hurts it the story and the alien effects i don't think well i like the design of the aliens i don't think it's done well enough 
to make it super believable and to make it something that people 30 years from now or 30 years removed from then can really look at and go, yeah, it looks good. And I think it ends up being a whole bowl of cheese with really good intentions. And I also think that it's, I always say you need to make movies with themes and then start the story around that. What do you want to say? But I think this movie just kind of went, I want to say this. I just never bothered with the story. And I think that's a problem. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think people are going to go back to it unless they're going to go back for two reasons. James Caan. Oh, James Caan movie. I'm going to check that out from the 80s. And it's a science fiction film. So people who love sci-fi are going to go back to it. Um, I don't think it's strong enough. And we talked about how we, where we think it's weak that people will recommend it. Uh, oh, you should see this film from 1988. It's fantastic. It's, you know, James Caan's in it, maybe Tinkin. Because you can't tell it's maybe Tinkin unless you hear his voice. Right. Um, or it's Terrence Stamp. Uh, unless you heard his voice. So I think uh, James Conn's maybe what gets you there. But like even James Conn, like he's wearing like that Dallas Cowboy shirt. I feel like that's just in his wardrobe and he's just like, oh, I'm just going to wear this shirt for the movie. <laughs> Shut up. I'm wearing Give me it. Coat. I got the... this. This is what I'm, I'm wearing. Yeah. So, but, uh, but I mean, like I'd still watch it again. You know, you know what I mean? It's not really something I'll never pop in again. If someone's like, Hey, let's watch this movie. Like, yeah, all right. Um, I think maybe just because Khan and Patinkin together kind of, I'm cool with that, all their scenes. Sure. Maybe if the alienation show was still going on, people would go back and revisit the movie. I think the, I think more people know the TV show. Like I think you said this, the TV show than they do the movie. Right. Yeah. So I, I agree with that. Where can, all right. Where can they find us? You can find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com because we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Uh, while you're there, check out all the other great podcasts and video stuff we got for you, all the other great podcasters. Uh, they've got some pretty good stuff out there, so check those out. Uh, and you can also still find us wherever podcasts can be found, like we said at the beginning of the podcast. So while you're there, give us a rating, a review, subscribe. All that helps our channel grow. And uh, join us on the lobby at uh, on Facebook, Forgotten Cinemas the Lobby. Let us know what you think of Alien Nation, if you guys liked it, if you guys hated it. What did you think of the TV show, if you ever saw it? And uh, have you ever just tried to drink a little bit of sour milk? Ugh, don't. What you think? Don't. It's bad. Don't. We're not recommending that at all. Join us next week as we're going to be in some iguana with uh, <laughs> Matthew Broderick. <laughs> we're doing The Freshman from 1990. So uh, that should be Could You see that one? You see I've it? never seen it. Really? I know of it, but I've never seen it. <sighs> Interesting. Hmm. I don't know. Or I, I, I might watch it and end up going, I've seen bits, but I don't, you probably I don't have, know. But it's a, so anyways, yeah, that's what we're doing next week, The Freshman. Uh, until then, everyone, have a great week. I am Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema.